The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And the screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. I'm ready. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who goes this town tonight. Hey, Kwame Lasser Sports Talk Thursday morning, Phoenix, Arizona. Alex Clancy, Demi Lachey in studio. Got a lot to talk about today. Uh, we'll be holding it down in studio. 888-346-9144. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Download the Voice America radio app. Listen to our show anywhere you are. Download the podcast on iTunes. We're everywhere, so it's there's no excuse to not listen to us. Uh, Tiger Woods shoots an opening round 69 in Royal Liverpool. The Open Championship, formerly the British Open. Rory McIlroy... First-round leader as of right now at 6-under. Shooting a 66 after you know not winning a, wi- winning a major for a couple of years is uh, pretty impressive. I mean, it is on his home turf, so to speak, with, uh, opposed to you know the United States and all of the majors we have out here. Tiger starts bogey-bogey and shoots 5-under in the last 16 holes. Is it a premonition? Maybe. Uh, but seeing him out there in a major is, is exciting for... Non-golf fans, I guess you could say. Uh, golf fans have, have been treated this year so far with the major championships. Yeah. The Masters was great. Uh, Martin Keimer's uh, performance in the last major was outstanding. Pretty much a wire-to-wire leader after winning the Players' Championship. So the real question is, when it comes to golf this year and in the next few years, who will be one of these breakout stars to win a second major? You know, we have Adam Scott, who won one. Justin Rose, who won one. Jason Duffner, won one. Uh, we're waiting to see who will take the reins of the PGA Golf Tour. Because as of right now, Tiger's inconsequential. Yeah, he, he's on the leaderboard at this point. Last year, he didn't shoot uh, around a 60 in the 60s in a major until the last one, I believe, uh, where he was somewhat in contention, but uh, I, I'm ready to see somebody step forward. I would love to see Adam Scott step forward. You know, he, he's won his last two starts. Uh, you know, it, it, Justin Rose has been hot too. Yeah. And and there's so many young guys. And Adam Rose is Adam Scott is 34. So I mean, he's not you know on the lower level of young. But there are a lot of younger guys in the middle, which makes the fields every week so difficult. And that's not something that Tiger was used to when he came in, when he came onto the scene. I think, and I've said this before, Tom Lehman, during Tiger's rookie year, won the Player of the Year and only had two wins. So it, it's, it's come a long way with the strength of the fields. The courses have obviously gotten harder because they've been Tiger-proofed. Uh, but players are in contention every week, and you never know who's going to be on the leaderboard. 
We have such an influx of European and, and Asian players that have come in as well that have made you know, the, the field even tougher. So the Open Championship, one round almost completed, Rory McIlroy at the top. Yeah. And, and, and it's exciting right now to see that Rory McIlroy, I mean, because he's was supposed to be the heir apparent to Tiger. You know, because he won early, he blew up at the Masters, and then he's won two majors now. It's, it, it, in my opinion, it's time. He's probably the youngest guy that, that is at the top of the leaderboard, at the, yeah. top of the, at the top of the talent level in the pool right now. Right. But he still hasn't taken the reins. And it should be his time for him to step up and take over the reins of golf, uh, of the PGA Tour, uh, the different events. But to go along with what you were saying, I mean, the competition level, it's, it's starting to level out once again uh, after this whole Tiger era started to slow down and the competition level raises it's starting to get it starts to get more even out playing field um even the young stars will come out have a great one or two days put the challenges on the veterans out there in in the pga tour so i think you know with that level of competition uh it brings more of the golf fans back the real true golf fans i guess you could say back to um keeping them interested in um in the game of golf and the fake fans, you know, who follows Tiger Woods and just only watch when Tiger plays, uh, maybe they, they'll start tuning in now. You see Tiger just not winning these tours and whatnot. And with him coming back from injuries, I mean, that tunes into the younger other professionals, the other PGA Tour or whatnot. Yeah, and I'm, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'm just uh, – no, I was finished, I mean, pretty <laughs> much. But, you know, I was just saying, like, I'm not a big golf fan, but, you know, I would tune in to certain events and – Certain Sundays, I guess. I'm a Sunday watcher. I'm the guy who watches it on Sunday when it's time to uh, really put on that last shirt of the week. Yeah, well, you're going to have to uh, you're gonna have to wake up super early for this Sunday. Yeah. Because, I, th- I mean, I think the, the opening guys, I think, teed off at like 11 o'clock our time, oh, uh, wow. Pacific Standard Time, 11 p.m. Or, or midnight. Tiger teed off at 1 a.m. Uh, but the, the final round, the final pairings today, mm-hmm. I believe, were around 5 a.m. So that, that's doable. You know, I could wake up on Sunday at 4 or 5 a.m. And, and watch around, especially if Tiger or other big names are in contention. It, it, this was supposed to be the year of Tiger. Yeah. He is one at every place that every major is being held at this year. Missed the first two. Uh, you know, I think the breath of fresh air that Tiger is experiencing right now is no water traps. Because with the Lynx course, yes, granted, the rough is up to your knees. I understand that, but you're not you're not losing strokes by hitting the ball into the water, which is what he did early on in the last tournament he played, where he won seventy six, seventy five, or seventy five, seventy four, and was out before the weekend. Being able to spread it out, trees, rough, fairway. I mean that is and and a lot of sand traps, but all that stuff is still in play. And with Tiger. He needs as much help as he can get at this point. Absolutely. And he said he's almost there. He's been saying that ever since he won his uh, last major in 2008 U.S. Open, which I was at. We're a far cry from that now. However, golf is a game that lends to older people at times, you know? And it's, I mean, look at Miguel Angel Jimenez. He's over 50, and he's in contention seemingly in every major. You don't hear about him. When, when it's not major time or Ryder Cup or President's Cup. Right. But he's always there. And Phil, uh, uh, Jack Nicholas 
won several majors after the age of 40. And I understand that he didn't have the, the health and body issues that Tiger's had. But Tiger still has time. I mean, he still could have a legitimate 10 years if he keeps his body right, or if his body doesn't break down on him to win majors. Do I think he's going to uh, beat Jack at this point? I don't think so. You know, and everybody's, oh, you know, he still has time, he still has time, is what I just said. But it's so difficult to win majors. Jack won 18 and finished second place 19 times. So I don't know if that record, coupled with his second place finishes, will ever be touched. And every major, every weekend, we're looking to see if Tiger can bounce back. I mean, even, even a top five finish or top ten finish in this major will put him back on the map. Yeah. It seems like if he's not having like a great like a great day, like on a Saturday or a Friday, he'll just he'll just call it quits. He'll just call it even. And just, he's done that recently yeah, before. He's done that so many so often that it's starting to get old now. You, you can tell that he's chasing for the majors, but I mean he he gives it up so quick. So he's not he, he's not trying to be top five, top ten like how he used to perform to it. Yeah, but I, just, I mean he's he's he had so much pressure on him before though. Definitely. You know, and now and I said this right before he teed off uh, in the tournament he just played, that he's got nothing to lose now. I mean, I don't think that the pressure on him is as much even close as it used to be. So if now he just goes out, plays his game, you know, he's tweaked it a million times. Even when he was winning majors, he was tweaking his, he was tweaking his shot, changing clubs. I think now he'll be able just to get back to Tiger. I mean, yes, Lindsey Vaughn and him, great relationship, everything. Now he's starting to learn how to balance because he's growing up. His emotional uh, progression as a human being was curtailed greatly by, you know, his dad just saying golf is it. I mean, obviously he bought into it as well, but that golf was it. He was a robot, and he was just able to perform. And now with, with human emotion coming into, his, coming into his life over the past 10 years, you could see that he's been, he's been dealing with it. And... Now he's kind of, it seems like it's subsided. He's learned how to balance and he's able to just play. And I hope for him as a human being and not even a golfer that he'll always be able to balance that. Because what is making a whole lot of money and being uber famous and being an icon in your sport and looked at potentially as the best ever without a family to share it with, without anybody to share it with. And now he's slowly starting to get back. And I'm really excited for him as a human that he can enjoy things now. Because it seemed like he never, he never enjoyed anything except for winning. And he did it a lot, so he got to, enjoy, got to enjoy some stuff. His dad passed away, which was really hard on him. He was his best friend. He was his confidant. He was everything. And now we'll see Tiger 2.0. And, and I truly believe that this is the second stage of his career. I think everything in the middle was him trying to figure his life out, trying to figure everything out, trying to get his body right. And now Tiger 2.0 has started. And even if he would have shot a 90 in the first round, I'm not saying this because he shot 300 today. I'm saying because he's back out there. He took the time off to get right. And I think this is the second part of his career. And hopefully he'll flourish. I hope he does well. I hope he breaks Shaq's record. I just don't see it as happening. Yeah, I mean, I hope he does as well because, honestly, he put himself in the predicament as you can probably say the chosen one to do it. 
Um, he's he stood out of his generation of the playing field back in the '90s, early 2000s, and like you were saying with this Tiger 2.0, I think a lot of pressure is on him once it comes when it comes inside um, going hole to hole now, because I mean it's time it's time to chase those these last few majors that you have to accomplish for you to obtain that chosen one goal. I mean he said his goal was to be the best golfer of all time. Numerous times, and he wants to beat Jack Nich- Nich- Nicholas's record, and so you know, I think I think that there is a lot of pressure on him at the end of the day. Even when when he takes his time off, yeah, the game uh, Tiger's game is at rest. He can it's not as much publicity on his standpoint as it was before. But now, when he keeps coming back, you know, you get that buzz around the playing field. Like, hey, okay, Tiger's here today. Um, all the eyes are on him because he's he's the guy that's chasing. I mean, that's the only thing it comes down to. It's no more. Uh, is he going to finish top five, top ten? I agree with that, but it is a lot of pressure on him. Like you have to be number one. You have to win. And this, I, it, but I don't think know? that's there as much anymore. I just don't think because he's been so inconsequential for the past six years now. Yeah. Six years since he's won his last major. That's a long time. It's a lot of pressure. You know, next. yeah, but I don't think I don't think he looks at it, looks at it like that anymore because he wouldn't have played in that brush up tournament where he missed the cut mm. if he still had that pressure. He would still he would just play majors. This would be the first tournament he played, and I think it would be detrimental to him. He played that he looked like crap, but at least he got back out to competitive golf again, and he's just getting the juices flowing again. Eight 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 three four six nine one four four. Kwame Lester Sports Talk, Alex Clancy, Demery Lachey in studio. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Come last of the sports talk, voiceamerica.com, 888-346-9144. Alex Clancy, Demery Lachey in studio. Follow me on Twitter, at Clancy's Corner. Man, I miss that, Brother Bell. Every time. Every time. I miss it. They have to have a reunion show or something. <laughs> I know they're doing a lifetime show on, on it. Uh, not with those people. They're doing like a, a made-for-TV movie 
about all the background stuff that happened. Like there was a bunch of drugs and sex and oh, really? love going on. Yeah, I, I read a little blurb on it. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I'll check it out. I'll tune into that then. Tiger Woods three under uh, <laughs> through the first round of the Open Championship. Royal Liverpool. Rory McIlroy is the clubhouse leader at six under shooting. 66. Man, I love Rory. And it, it's <laughs> funny. It's funny that after. Um, it's funny Wo- you love him. After Wozniacki left the situation, Caroline Wozniacki, who was the number one uh, tennis player, women's tennis player in the world when they were dating, we haven't heard about her in a long time. I think their long-distance relationship just crippled both of their professional careers. They were young kids in love, which is fine. I mean, you never – it puts perspective on sports, puts sports in a perspective that, you know, some, sometimes there are more important things in sports even at the highest level. And Phil right. Mickelson, we always talk about, his family's always come first. I watched, I watched, uh, I watched something on um, uh, Lee Westwood about how he's finished second or third in many, many majors. He's blown up so many times in majors, but he always says there are more important things than golf. There are more important things than golf. And I watched, he had his son on his bag. Well, he had his son uh, walking with him in the last major where he was in contention. I think it was the Open Championship where Phil Mickelson won. He had a two-stroke lead going into the final round. And having hearing his son scream for him after every shot, Regardless, he, he didn't win. He blew up again in the final round. But just seeing his son with him, I think his son was like six. Mm-hmm. Seeing his son with him just it made him happy. He couldn't be upset even though he didn't win a major championship again. So having people like that in sports is refreshing. Yeah, definitely. If you're off the field or off your playing field issues are, you know, intact and, like, you're comfortable with it, you know, that, that makes your game a lot more easier and your performance – to perform better, you know, on the field or whatever sport it is. Uh, you know, a lot of athletes, when they have, you can kind of tell when an athlete has a lot of issues off the court, off the field, no matter if it's a woman or family, you can tell because their performance, you know, it, it, it dwells. And at first there's no talk about it. But when it all comes out, it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense now. And for the players, you know, who are all comfortable, especially a game like golf where your mindset is, has to be at a whole nother level. I mean, with you being comfortable off the, off the court, off the field, having your family around, knowing that your family's okay and there's no issues, you know, those are the guys that stand out better. Yeah, and no, now absolutely. Roy McIlroy, I feel like, you know, he, he came around a long way. And now look at his performance now. Yeah, 66 right now is incredible. Yeah, and – that's that's the balance where you have right. to find you have to but you also you have to find a mate male or female for you know female or or, or male uh, professional athletes who will be supportive regardless of your tour schedule regardless of your practice schedule and having kids that that's when it comes down to okay now I have to take a step back or I I, I get to take a step back from my career and, and raise these children and Phil Mickelson there was a lot of pressure on him. But I don't think he ever really felt it. I mean, after a while, right. I remember Payne Stewart hit a putt uh, to, to win a major against Phil, and Phil's wife was pregnant with his kid. Payne Stewart comes up, hugs him, and says, you becoming a dad is the greatest gift in the world. And Payne Stewart died soon after that. So Phil Mickelson realizing that his family comes first, and I'm sure what Payne Stewart said to him still resonates with him today, and his wife going through breast cancer, and his, his mother-in-law or his mother going through breast cancer. He's still been Phil. He's always been Phil. 
You know, he's never, he's always worked 85% as hard as Tiger did. But he's lived seemingly a much more well-rounded life than Tiger has from, from what I've read and uh-huh. seen. That's all. That's, that's speculation, but it's based on some sort of, some sort of evidence. Golf is tough. You know, golf is really tough because what you said is correct. That you need to be mentally at 100% strength at all times. You know, one shot can lose you a tournament. Right. And you're hitting the ball 260 plus times in a weekend if you, if you make it to the last day. So every shot counts. And having the support and love of a family and kids and everything watching you and have, being totally behind you at all times makes it a little bit easier. You know, and when you lose, it makes it a little bit easier. You can get to go home to your family. And these guys are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year as well. So it's not like, you know, it, it's, it's winner take all. So they have the byproduct of actually making a lot of money with what they're doing to fall back on as well. Endorsements, everything like that. Which, I mean, which is an afterthought for many of these guys because they're already in the upper echelon. So uh, the money isn't really a huge issue. I'm not, I'm not sure if, if that's what we're looking more towards in the future is these guys in the middle, these younger guys, you know, Webb Sisson, Keegan Bradley, uh, Justin Rose, Adam Scott, Jason Duffner, Roy McIlroy even, these guys that want to live more of a balanced life, have fun, have a fraternity. Look at Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler's a partier. He's known as a partier. He wears <laughs> that orange jumpsuit every time he goes on the court with that big-ass hat, flat brim, and he just loves playing golf. You know, he's won one tournament his whole career, but everybody loves him. And I wonder if that's where we're moving towards is more of a balanced life for golfers, which is healthier in my opinion. You know, yes, going down in the lore of golf history may not be at the forefront of these people's minds. I mean, yes, it's always there. I want to be the best ever. All right. But I think realism and balance in players' lives now is more prevalent. And, and I, th- I think it's fantastic. I think that it, it gets better, it makes better competition because nothing is better than competition amongst friends. Yes, you have enemies. Yes, you can have bitter rivals and everything like that. A lot of times, rivals are friends. On the basketball court, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson were friends. Yeah. They, they hated each other when they put the jerseys on, but they were friends. Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson would kiss before every, every time they played each other. Kiss on the cheek every time they played each other before the, before, uh, the jump ball. But they were great friends. Charles Barkley, Michael Jordan, rivals, great friends. And in golf, that's not there a lot. Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, I truly believe, truly dislike each other. And I think that maybe for Tiger, it's, it's more that Phil just leads this very easy, easygoing life. You know, he lives in Rancho Santa Fe, a gorgeous place in San Diego. He's got a great family. <laughs> and he just, it doesn't seem like the stressors that Tiger's had to endure his whole career to be great, Phil had to really endure from, no. from what I've seen and from what I've read. And I think truly that... It's great. I think where PGA is going now is better than it'll ever be. Because? Because it's a fraternity now. It's not a brother. I, in the NFL, you have, I think, wait, which is more important? Okay. Brotherhood is more important than the fraternity aspect. All right. Okay, so the NFL is a brotherhood. Everybody is there. Everybody knows how hard it is to play every down, every practice, every OTA, every minicamp. 
how, how straining it is on your body. And there's, there's respect among most players just due to that one underlying factor. And with golf, it's been more of just a fraternity. You have these, these, these supremely talented players that all play individually. You know, it, you know it, being individual, it's, it's, it's a loner system. But now when you have this brotherhood of guys coming together, these younger guys that are all becoming friends, I think it's great. Yeah. I think and it's great. And that's the biggest difference with like golf being an individual sport. You don't have to rely on brotherhood, a, stream, a, a strong team or whatnot. It, it's, you know, it's, it's, every, it's your performance on your own. It's your performance on yourself. It's what you give out to the game. And you're just playing for yourself, basically. In golf, I mean, you're playing for the championships, of course, or whatnot, but it's just you out there. You know, there's no one else. I don't have a brother beside me. I don't have to rely on nobody else but my, me and my swing and hopefully to win <laughs> on a good day. But, um, yeah, that, I mean, that, that has a huge, you know, di- um, that has a huge difference in why, you know, it's pertained to more fraternity. And it's great that the players are actually, like, getting along with one another. Friendships are forming. And I think it's better now because everybody at one point was still going back to chasing Tiger. And everybody's seen Tiger, Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods. And now when he had those this, uh, these few years off, not winning a major, taking time off, it has shown, you know, that all these other golfers like, hey, we're here too. Like, they're actually getting along with one another. I think a lot of people didn't like Tiger because they knew what he was doing off the course and that the people didn't know that, especially that guy like Phil Mickelson. He was always that other guy beside Tiger. You know, there always has to be one. Uh, like with Michael Jordan era, there was, uh, what, Gary Payton. Like, you know, just just that other guy or Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, you know, just, just that other one at the time. And you guys really don't know what else is going on. So a lot of I think that relationship between Phil and Tiger hit it then. He knew what Tiger was doing. You were going to every tournament. This guy is competing with him. So you know what's going on with him. And once that time has split, the fraternity has grown. Like I said, the competition level has even the morale. Guys are, you know, uh, into watching one another. Like, it's crazy, like, now that I see it. Yeah, they're rooting for yeah, each other. exactly. And I never seen that before. Nobody, none of the golfers, I should say, really, I seen pertaining rooting for Tiger Woods. Like when they once they lose Tiger Woods, they like you know throw up their head like, oh well, like this guy again. But now, like yeah, I love the way it's going as well. I love the way the direction that the golf game, the PGA, is heading towards. Yeah, and and everything you just said, the overlying theme of that is Tiger is what's is who's making that money. Because when Tiger came onto the scene. Sponsorship dollars skyrocketed with tournaments, with purses, Absolutely. with sponsorship. So even if they don't like him, he is more or less signing their paycheck still. Because if it weren't yeah. for him, there wouldn't be as much go- there wouldn't be as much money in golf. To your other point, I remember watching Keegan Bradley uh, watch Jason Duffner, one of his really good friends, win a major, slap him on slap him on the keister. And and trying to give him a hug before he went into the clubhouse to sign his to sign his final scorecard, like that. You're right, is has been lacking, and and it, it not lacking. It just hasn't been. It hasn't been there, not good or not bad. Yeah. But but it's fantastic that these kids are rooting for each other. Winning a major for these guys that have always kind of been in the middle is huge. It's huge, and you 
you have these young European golfers come over that, that have won majors recently. You know, UK, you know, Roy McElroy, Adam Scott. But the American young guys, it's been Tiger and Phil. That's been it. That's it, yeah. And and having having these having these younger and I say kids, you know, late twenties, early thirties, and Jason Duffner's a little bit older. But but it's it's just great for the sport and it's it, it's endearing. It's endearing to watch these guys and Bubba Watson, you know, winning two majors and winning two masters. Like it's it, you can't put a price on seeing Bubba ball his eyes out after after winning a major. Because it it strengthens your notion of how much this means to these players and how much work goes in and how difficult it is to win majors. And I'm excited to see what happens in the next 10 years when these guys start getting older and the Jordan Spieths of the world start coming up and winning majors. The future of the PGA is bright, and regardless of if Tiger's in it or not, people are going to start watching more and more golf, in my opinion. Carmen Lesser of Sports Talk, 888-346-9144. Follow me on Twitter, at Clancy's Corner. Alex Clancy, Demery Lachan Studio. We'll be right back. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Don't know about the future, that's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil, I give you a piece of my mind. Joey Lawrence. Coin Lesson of Sports Talk, Alex Lancy, Demery Lachey in studio, 888-346-9144. Follow me on Twitter, at Clancy's Corner. Eric Spolstra has Eric Spolstra has no regrets about LeBron James' decision. This this I, I have two things to say about this. Number one, he's a he's inconsequential. Eric Spolstra was one of the luckiest coaches in NBA history. Of course. Uh, number two, I don't think he'll have a job with Miami in five years. He will not be the long tenured coach 
that everybody thinks he could have been if, if LeBron James was still there. I don't even see him having a job in two years. Yeah, I don't know. Because Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade will be able to do some stuff. Lou Deng is young enough. They'll, they'll have pieces. They'll have B-minus Chicago Bulls pieces that will filter through there. But he's not a good coach, I don't think. And, and so you go 2-2 two, two and two in finals uh, appearances in the last four years. Yes, great. You made it to the finals four years in a row. Absolutely. Players can do that on their own. No especially, way. especially with, with the conglom- the conglomerate monopoly of LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. D- uh, Dwayne Wade was healthy two years ago. First two years, he was still Dwayne Wade. Yeah, well, well spoke. He he doesn't have to coach players like that, you know. What about the well, the, well, the, the supporting the, cast? Is the guys that's fine? That's that's front office putting them in. Yeah, they yeah they, you know, they bring those guys in. But the coach, coach like. Pat Riley really gave Spolster, you know, the keys to the team. Like, I'm not touch, I'm not doing anything coaching wise. You coach these guys. You yeah, because you already did that once. Players. You already stole a championship away from Stan Van Gundy. Very true. Yeah, that was yeah, definitely. He he, he know he did, but you know, with with the Miami Heat, like Spolster, I think he does a great job with some of his defensive schemes, putting um, the right guys in the right situations. I mean. Yeah, you can have all that talent, but what do you do with it? That's a, that's a difficult part of coaching it. Yeah, and that, that's and why they I, only won I, two out of four. And I, I mean, that's that's pretty good. I mean, two yeah, two out of four. But it's I, I said on this show, this was what almost four years ago, three years ago now. He should have been fired after they lost to Dallas. I said that, and I I will stand by well, it. Dallas they had up, a better team. Though. It doesn't. Who cares? Talent wise. Talent-wise, Miami's team right. this year was better than San Antonio's. Not no as way. deep, but the the better players on Miami were better than the better players, better than the best players on San Antonio. That's for sure. Take all uh, experience, everything out of it. Chris Bosh can do more than Kawhi Leonard. He doesn't play as good a defense, but Kawhi Leonard fits in the system so well. LeBron James is better than any player on that team. Probably times three. You know, uh, it's just it. This year might be a bad example. Mm. Last year they were definitely better, and, and they ended up winning. You know, by the by the skin of their teeth. But there are coaching mistakes that are made. There are not adjustments made on Eric Spolstra's teams, and I still stand by that he should have been fired after year one. If Tom Thibodeau was the coach of Miami right now, they would have won all four. I truly believe that. And I truly believe that LeBron would have signed an extension there, and that could have been one of the Chicago Bulls dynasties that Michael Jordan, uh, that Michael Jordan spearheaded. I truly believe that with a different coach, they could have won all four. So him having no regrets—that's number one. Number two, he really has nothing. He, he couldn't have offered anything <laughs> at all, comparatively speaking. He doesn't have. He couldn't have sat LeBron down and be like, "Hey." We won two out of four. That's not bad. Hey, I taught you how to do that. Hey, you know, I, I mapped your game around this way. LeBron did whatever he wanted. And right. guys that supersede sports like that are difficult to coach. Phil Jackson did it with Jordan. But Jordan, I would assume, pretty much did whatever he wanted to do. Yeah, it's difficult. You're right. It's difficult to coach the best player in the world. It's difficult Phil to Jackson's coach Phil Jackson's done it 11 times. Superstar. And, and that's why Phil Jackson's on a higher end of a Mount Rushmore Red Auerbach? Yeah. Exactly. Like, it's hard to coach, like, the best saying. Like, you know, you're looking at you, – you're facing these guys each and every night. You're looking at talent like, yeah, I got the best player on my team. It's hard to coach him because now 
I'm just going to let him do whatever he wants. He gets himself better. I can't coach. The only thing I can tell him is don't bash me in the media. Um, represent the team well and go out and well, do yeah. your thing. Well, Spolster's a sweetheart. That, I mean, does that really – no, that doesn't – yeah, but to me a, gr- a good coach, you know, can take um, role players, um, make them – into a, a great show to watch, a great team, no matter it's football, basketball. If you take a non-superstar or any star's team and you can coach them up and you're competing against the best players or whatnot at the level, at the superstar level, like if you're beating these guys and like showing that you belong there, that's a great coaching tip, like tactics. I understand, like what you said with um, Tom Thibodeau, I believe that. Like I agree. He's a great coach, but I don't think – Tom Thibodeau can coach a LeBron James, Dwayne Wade type team because he's a great coach with gaining he's players' He's a basketball confidence. coach and not a talent coach? He's a great defensive-minded coach, and I think he gives the guys great amount of talent. or I'm sorry, not talent, but confidence. He's a confidential coach. Like He took the Bulls team where players you've never heard of in quite some time since probably their high school and college days and just – made them click, made them glue together. That's great coaching. Imagine if there was a superstar there at the at the helm. I mean, you had Derrick Rose, but, you know, he was still young enough to be coached. And imagine if it was a LeBron James there or Dwayne Wade, they're not going to listen to Young enough typical. to be coached. That's exactly correct. Yeah. Young enough to – so at some point – He's young enough to – I mean, what, to actually he didn't come into the, the coach. Exactly. Because that's what you exactly. – yes, and, and that's, that's the, the problem with the NBA right now. Coaches need to be feared, and no coaches are feared anymore. You have Tom Thibodeau, Greg Popovich is still feared by Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili. Every damn player to ever put on a Spurs <laughs> jersey has feared Greg Popovich. And it's 100% correct. You look at Scott Brooks, you look at Eric Spolstra, you look at uh, uh, Frank Vogel, you look at these guys that are supposed to be the top-tier coaches, they're not feared by their players. They might be disliked, Frank Vogel. Scott Brooks is a pushover. In the playoffs... Weak coaches get exposed. And Greg Popovich took a licking to Eric Spolstra the last two years. If it weren't for a Ray Allen three last year, San Antonio would be back-to-back champs. Yeah. And that means that the Heat would have been 1-4 in, in finals in the last four years. Would that have been excess, success? I don't think so. I don't think so. Eric Spolstra is overrated. He's undereducated, and I truly believe that he will not be a coach in the next five years. He'll probably coach somewhere based on you know, his past, but I don't think that he has what it takes to be a real NBA coach. But I he, really don't. Well, what he did do for himself, he set himself up for, hey, if, you have, if, we're, if we're a struggling team and we have a superstar on the team, or a star, or even a star that can develop his game to a whole nother level, we would love to bring you in because we've seen the work that you've done with LeBron and D-Wade. You can coach superstars. You can coach stars. We don't know if you're a team coach. Like, we'll see now, you know, what the team that he has in Miami. This will prove, like, his coaching tactics. I mean, the guy, he was known as a, a film guru and raised up in the Miami Heat industry or their uh, organization. So now, you know, he's at a level, okay, no more LeBron. You have D-Wade and Chris Bosh who are on the downfall, I guess you could say, on the other side now of their careers. So let's see what you're going to do now. 
Like, let, let's see your coaching tactics. Let's see if you can really compete with Tom Thibodeau without LeBron James or Indiana or even Cleveland now. So now we get to see him against Superstar because his first year was what? When LeBron first got there? It wasn't before, right? So, yeah, this is definitely going to see if he – I wouldn't really bash him say, like, <laughs> he's not going to be a head, uh, decent head coach. I'm up to see how, he, how he's going to do. Decent doesn't win you championships. I'm, I'm going to see. Okay, more than decent. I'm sorry. I used the wrong word. But I'm, I'm, I'm up to see. I'm, I'm not too quick to judge him. He gets at least one year in my book to see how it goes. Well, I, and they'll make the playoffs. They'll be the five seed. And they might win a series. Yeah. But with all the teams getting better, because uh, talent is obviously being I mean, that's all Tom Thibodeau does. All Tom Thibodeau does get a five seed, win a series, They were the one it. seed two years in a row. But that's it. They had the best record in the NBA two years in a row. They had the one-two with San Antonio. He's had nothing. Who was that? Tom Thibodeau's had nothing to work with. No scoring, no nothing. He, he, had, Derek, he had MVP of the NBA. Oh, God, he, he shouldn't have won it. I told you he shouldn't have won it. <laughs> he does LeBron a, James uh, should win it every year. LeBron course. James should win every year. Last night in the ESPYs, Sportsman of the Year, Player of the Year, Kevin Durant, come on. They have to give it to somebody else once in a while. That's why other players yeah, get MVPs. Sports intrigued, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you know what? I don't think I'm being too harsh on Spolstra. I, I, I honestly, and it's weird to say that after two championships mm-hmm. and probably being a part of the third when Pat, when Pat Riley came down from the rafters to coach Dwayne Wade and Shaq, mm-hmm. he's been around, and I still don't think he's proved anything. I really don't think he's proved anything. Uh, I guess you, I mean, Mike Brown, he had the, LeBron, I understand that Miami was better than the, than the LeBron team. They got swept by San Antonio. But it's the same kind of thing, pushover. He's just not – there's so many middle to low-tier coaches in the NBA. I mean, I'd be hard-pressed to find five top-tier coaches. I mean, Popovich, Doc Rivers, maybe. He's another one that got lucky. He's a but guy people that- fear him. People still fear him because yeah. he's such an upstanding – well, I mean, all coaches are upstanding citizens. I haven't really heard of any um, uh, transgressions about coaches that are – spearheading that are head coaches of the NBA this year, uh, you know, and but I, I think he's feared to a certain extent. I think what he did with DeAndre Jordan was outstanding. But I still don't see him as a top-tier head coach in the NBA. Just because you get paid a lot doesn't mean you're a top-tier coach. I mean, I would take Popovich. I mean, I don't really see anybody else. I truly don't see anybody else. Uh, there are good coaches coming up. Thibodeau, I guess you, you could put up there. Randy Whitman in Washington is doing a great job, but also he got more talent. He got talent influx in there. He made a trade for Gortat. So I think the NBA coaching circle is in trouble, and I truly think that a lot of coaching will come from the college ranks to the NBA to see if they can, you know, uh, they, they can make an impression. Because you have feared coaches in, in college basketball too. Calipari it's will more feared. rip. There's definitely more feared coaches. He will rip anybody. He doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Patino will rip your throat out. Coach K, to a certain extent. Tom Izzo, you don't mess with Tom Izzo. Like the guys that have the guys that have built brands out of their out of their college basketball teams are feared. True. You know, and it's all of them that I just stated have won championships. Very true, but they do not. At the same time, they're not coaching professional athletes. These guys are just amateurs. Collegiate athletes 
um, whatever the college coaches say, go. I mean, you have no say-so, though, at the same time. So they can even put a bigger threat on top of – they can put the extra ketchup and mustard on top of that hot dog and – have that fear and like you know what I know you guys fear me and guess what you're gonna feel me yeah, fear me even worse yeah but a lot so of times you don't think that that would translate no, to the NBA really not. you don't think Tom Izzo coaching somebody he wouldn't get the yeah, NBA respect would, for what he did he would get respect for what he did but once he's on the scene I don't think you don't think so I don't think so so uh, and it's hard to talk about football and basketball in the same breath with regards to this because you have I think it's becoming passe to be that military militaristic head coach in the NFL I mean, tell Jim Harbaugh things differently, but you have more of a Pete Carroll approach mm-hmm. now. I mean, it, yeah. it works because because they he realizes how hard it was to get there, and yes, people are be held accountable. But Pete Carroll has come out as saying, in practice, I will rip somebody in front of everybody, walk up to them in front of everybody, and tell them exactly what they did wrong and how I want them to change it. Instead of ripping them, say, get the hell out, run five miles right, or whatever right, it was right. in high school, everybody sees, oh, my coach is still the leader of this team. Right. He will bring the gauntlet down, but again, he will be constructive right after. And he won't, he won't belittle you in front of people. He will tell you what you did was wrong, but he won't belittle you. No, he won't embarrass you. And Chip Kelly, it's yet to be seen. They did make the playoffs, but everybody, it was a down year for the, for the NFC East. It was a down year. Yeah. You know, it was. I mean, because Washington yeah. was awful. The Giants were awful. They went and, from the f- best NFL conference. And they'll be division. the best again because they have the, the weakest strength of schedule this year. 888-346-9144. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. VoiceAmerica.com. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Nice work today. Call me last year's sports. That's Boondock Saints, baby. Come on. (laughs) You haven't seen Boondock Saints? Oh, no. Get out. Get out. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. I've seen a different version of Boondocks. Not Boondocks Saints. No, Boondocks Saints. I like Boondocks better. I don't... I don't... The cartoon. That's... You know, YouTube. that's fine. I, I thought you were 18. That's right. Um, <laughs> Alex Clancy, Demery Lachey in studio. This is my generation, man. At, Cl- at Clancy's Corner on Twitter. Download the Voice America radio app. Watch Boondocks Saints and get a Twitter. That's your... I'm coming back in a week. 
Those come on, both of those things. Okay. Boondock Saints is easy. Hour and a half, great movie. It's good. I'll tune into it. Okay. I'll watch it this weekend. Okay. Definitely. Get that Twitter going. <laughs> I want to have Twitter wars. <laughs> Talked a lot today. Golf. Roy McElroy shoots an opening round 66 in the clubhouse, the Open Championship, Royal Liverpool. Tiger Woods shoots a 69 after bogeying the first two holes. Excited to see what happens. Hopefully he won't shoot a 78 tomorrow. See him on the weekend. Maybe contend for his 15th major. Eric Spolster is a bum. Talked about that. Uh, <laughs> Lance Stevenson signs three-year, $27 million deal with the Charlotte Hornets. Not to be mistaken for the New Orleans Hornets, who are now the New Orleans Pelicans, which is who I thought it was initially. And I got super excited for that lineup because that would have been a silly lineup with Lance Stevenson over there. But Charlotte Bobcats, now AKA the Charlotte Hornets Charlotte again. Kemba Walker, Gerald Henderson. Man, Gerald Henderson might be the best player to come out of Duke since, no. since uh, I mean, Carlos Boozer. Luau Deng. Nah. Kyrie Irving. Kyrie no. Irving hasn't, hasn't, he's been in the league two years, three years. He's done years. more than Gerald Henderson ever done in his Gerald career. Henderson, Gerald Henderson's a very serviceable guy. He's 15 and 7. <laughs> 15 and 6 on a bad team. Kyrie Irving's 22 and 9. Yeah, 22 games a year. Is that what you're saying? 22, 22 points games a, a night. Year. 22 points a night. Nine. So, you know what? Michael Jordan's starting to get some players over there. And I wonder. It's about time. I, well, I mean, and I wonder how much clout he has as a front office guy. I wonder if he's. If he can mark Cuban it and get into people's faces coming down from the rafters. I wonder if... You if, think he needs to do that? Well, I mean, he's Michael Jordan. He can do whatever the hell he wants. Well, yeah, exactly. He's an so, awful executive. do you executive. think he really needs to just go down there and start bashing how bad a bad team is already? No, 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 no. no. I'm not saying that. Okay. I'm saying that if Lance Stevenson gets out of line and pull him into his office and say, Hey, listen here, kid. If you want to be a part of this team still, if you want me to void your contract, shape up. Like I wonder if he if he will do that. I hope that that won't it won't come to that. I hope that a fresh start will get Lance Stevenson the juices flowing that he needs. He's the star of that team now. I think he yeah yeah he definitely. And the, is. that Michael Kidd Gilchrist draft pick was awful. What happened? He to can't that even kid? score anymore. I was loving him at Kentucky. I thought he was going. He was the second the game best player in, in college. He was. He, he was. He was a Dwayne Wade ish guy. Yeah. He was a slasher. He could handle the ball. He could rebound. He could play defense. What happened to him? I don't know. But Lance Stevenson, three-year, 27 mil. It's a short contract, so it's interesting in that regard that, you know, he he can kind of test the waters, you know, make pretty good money, make the same amount of money he would have made in in Indiana. Shorter contract, worse team, but obviously he wanted to get out of Indiana uh, that bad. I don't blame him. Uh, Paul George could win MVP this year with Lance Stevenson gone. Um, I'm going to say that right now. I've said that he hasn't been a, a superstar. He's not a superstar yet. But I think that Lance Stevenson and him play the same position. I know that Lance Stevenson played the two and he played the three. Yeah. But now it's Paul Pier- Paul uh, George's team. It's his team. Yeah, he gets you, the ball in his hands more, more, more of bringing the ball up the court, going one-on-one than what, what Lance was doing. Yeah, and they, they signed Rodney Stuckey. To a one-year deal, he's not a point guard still, but he's more of a point guard than George Hill. And Rodney Stuckey was a stud in Detroit for many years. Yeah, uh, but he he got injured. He got injured again. He got injured again. I think a fresh start for him. This could be the a flash in the pan that Indiana needs, especially in the East, where point guards are at a premium. Guys that you can really count on to take care of the ball and facilitate. He's a fifteen and six guy. 
He has the upside of being 18 and 7. And I think that him and Paul George can work really well together. Roy Hibbert stays healthy, and Roy Hibbert can play, you know, like he did two years ago. He needs to be an 18 and 10 guy. You know, and, and I think that with Lance Stevenson leaving, th- th- this is yeah. good. It, it'll help them. It'll definitely help them. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? Hopefully Lance Stevenson does well in Charlotte. Because Lance, yeah. I mean, he, he, he's, he will ball out in Charlotte. I mean, he's going to average, I'd say, about 22 range. You think he's so? going to get more shots. He's going to take advantage of those shots. Because with Indiana, I mean, he knew his shots were limited, so he took what he could. And not only that, he took also like rebounds away from Roy Hibbert, assists away from Paul George, their game. So, yeah, back in Indiana, that get, they get their original games back, see where they're at now so they can um, revolutionize their all-around games that they, that they have or that they came into the NBA with, uh, what they were known for. Addition through subtraction? Yeah, exactly. So now with Lance going to Charlotte, I mean, he's a whole package of additions to rebounding, assists, and scoring. Yeah. And he, he, he wants to score the ball more, you can, he, and he can. And I think he gets that opportunity with Charlotte and with the whole um, antics that he did with LeBron was funny. It reminds me of, like, did you see the ESPYs last night when they did the little segment with yeah. him and Paul George? Man, I almost teared up. You know, it's like, man, they'll never be back together again. No, stop it. But, <laughs> but so here's the thing is, is this – I see the future of what Lance Stevenson and Paul George could have been together, and that's what, we're, that's what I'm, I'm fearful of, that you don't even really give it a chance. Right. That Lance Stevenson didn't see the big picture, and, he, and he's younger. You know, it's fine. He's, he didn't see the big picture. That could be – and I'm not jumping to this conclusion. Uh, don't. Jordan Scotty Pippen-ish. If Lance Stevenson could have taken a back seat – been a facilitator. He led the league in triple doubles last year. Let Paul George be the star, but that's not how the NBA works now. No. It's a star-driven league. Players run the league. That's just what it is. Right. Players run the league, and and if there were more successful, strong coaches, instead of bringing players bringing players right off the court into the head coach into the head coaching position, if he did it through the the traditional channels of assistant coach for five years and then a head coach, I think it would be different. But Lance Stevenson leaving now, instead of sticking it out, I think is it could be very detrimental for the future of the Pacers. So it's going to be one or the other. We're going to see Lance Stevenson. You're right. He's going to have balloon numbers this year. He's probably going to be an all-star, everything like that. But having those two, di- two guys together, I yeah. think it could have... He was too big. Could could have strengthened Indiana's Definitely. future. Definitely, but he 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 was too big for Indiana. He thought he was too big for Indiana. Exactly. His mindset was, "I'm too big for Indiana." Like, it's like I love playing with these guys. I can be uh, Paul George's sidekick from here on out for the rest of my career. But I'm I can go get mines elsewhere as well. I'm looking out for my. I mean, he was. Yeah, he was kind of too big for just being like a city of Indianapolis. I mean, I would see Lance Stevenson out and whatnot, and you know, he'd just be sitting back, chill. Like, you know, you could kind of tell like he really, he it's too small for him. He's a so Charlotte's big better. City. Not only is Charlotte better, it's it'll be his town that he's going to. Yeah, it'll be this is my this is me. Like he went to Cincinnati. This is all about me. Well, he I didn't mean, go to Indiana or, and you know, it wasn't no, oh, wow, we got Lance Stevenson, second-round pick. He's going to change our team around. No, we didn't see, we saw that with development. 
And now with Charlotte, where he's at now in his game, he he takes that on with the Hornets, where it's his city, and now he it's in your hands. Basically, that's what Jordan said. I yeah. need your help. Well, I mean, I along still, with Kimball Walker, I, and, yeah, you but, know, but I Al still Jefferson. think that state is uh, is home of one Auburn uh, number one overall pick, Cam Newton. So I still think he's the mayor to be seen. He's he's the governor, <laughs> of the course. president of North Carolina. Eight 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 three four six nine one four for you. About twenty five seconds to call in, so I'm, I'm not sure if there's that's enough time. We got to go tomorrow morning. Demery and I will be doing the same thing over again. That I will be driving up to San Diego for my week vacation. Hey. I can't wait. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at twelve noon Eastern Time. 9 a.m. Pacific time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.